Joshua chapter 8. When Steve and I were building a house about 10 years ago, uh, there was a mistake that was made by the builder. They ordered the wrong door for the front of the house, and it was uh, kind of uh, disappointing. You know, we, we see the door on there, and it's the wrong door, not the one we had wanted. And at first, we thought this is kind of a negative thing, and you're feeling kind of sad about it. And uh, in the end, though, it ended up being a blessing to us because they gave us a, a nice credit against the price of the house that we were building. So it seemed disappointing at first, but in the end, it was actually a blessing. So have you ever had a time where something that initially seemed disappointing or even negative actually turned out to be a blessing for you later? Yeah, yeah, and maybe it was a job that you didn't get, and then later you were like, whew, dodged a bullet on that one, right? So uh, sometimes God will use things that seem like they're not, at first we don't really understand, it seems like it's not good, but then it actually is a blessing later. So today, as we look at Joshua 8, we're going to be looking at the taking of Ai, the taking of the village, the city of Ai. So starting in verse 1 of Joshua chapter 8, then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourself. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. Then they will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say, they are running away from us, as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his army, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and sent them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So the soldiers took up their positions with the main camp to the north of the city and the ambush to the west of it. That night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled toward the wilderness. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out toward Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out toward the city the javelin that was in his hand. As soon as he did this, the men in ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising up into the sky, but they had no chance to escape in any direction. The Israelites who had been fleeing toward the wilderness had turned back against their pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that smoke was going up from it, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. Those in the ambush also came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the middle with the Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving them neither survivors nor fugitives. But they took the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the men of Ai in the fields and in the wilderness where they had chased them, when every one of them had been put to the sword, all the Israelites returned to Ai and killed those who were in it. Twelve thousand men and women fell that day, all people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back the hand that held out the javelin until he had destroyed all who lived in Ai. But Israel did carry off for themselves the livestock and the plunder of the city, as the Lord had instructed Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. He impaled the body of King Ai on a pole and left it there until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body from the pole and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate, and they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. And we know that's this day as of the writing, not maybe to this day. So as we're looking at this, um, let's, let's kind of do a little refresher here. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about the sin of Achan. Remember, Achan had stolen stuff that he wasn't supposed to steal, that he wasn't supposed to take when they captured Jericho and uh, destroyed it. And it showed us how one man can really affect their family, the tribe, even the nation. And it was a routing of the enemy um, against the forces of Israel. So Israel was routed. There were 36 people killed by Ai's army. And after praying about this, the nation went through the process of turning it over to God. And Achan, as Pastor Steve mentioned last week, he had a lot of time. He could have come clean, but he chose not to. He chose to keep his mouth shut until he was finally exposed. And then he confessed, but he didn't even repent of it. He just said, yeah, you got me. And then he and his family paid the price for his sin with their lives. So if you missed that message, it was an awesome message. Go on the podcast. Uh, You can get to that through our our website. Uh, It was an awesome message. And, you know, this had to be difficult for everybody. Think of it. No one wants to see their friends killed because of their sin. And think of, like, if you have friends who are just messing up their lives in big waves, ways, and, and you look at it and you say, oh, man, I just feel bad for them. And you know that some of the stuff that they're enduring ha- happens to be because of the sin that they're allowing in their life. You, you don't want to see that. You want to see them right with God. And so this had to have been difficult. Think of all the people in Israel who, who see this happen and how demoralizing that would have been to the rest of them. And, you know, here's someone who everyone's trying to do what God said. And here's somebody who just like said, I don't really care and goes out and and does what they want to do. And it influences the whole nation. And so this was a time of discouragement. 
And this is where uh, it starts then in, in chapter 8. The, the Israelites have gone back to Gilgal. They're just, they destroyed Jericho. They returned to Gilgal. And uh, Gilgal and Jericho were both east of Ai. So they're east of this city on the right. I hope you can see the, the writing there. And, um, and so God speaks to Joshua then, and he encourages him. He says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Because after this difficult thing that had just happened in Israel, God is telling him, you don't need to fear, you don't need to be discouraged. And those two big tools, like we've talked about before, the two big tools of the enemy that he likes to use against us are fear and discouragement because his plan is to get you so wrapped up in that that his he wants to steal kill and destroy anything that God is doing in your life and maybe even steal kill and destroy your life but God is saying don't fear don't be discouraged I'm going to get you through this I got the plan now Joshua listen up and here's what you're going to do And so anytime you're doing the right thing, the devil is going to try and discourage you. He wants you to stop following God, but God will come and speak his word over you. He'll give you the strength and he'll encourage you and tell you what he has for you. And so he tells Joshua, you know what? I'm going to send you to Ai, but this time you can carry off the plunder. And the reason for this was there's that command that the Israelites had about turning over the first fruits to God. In Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it talks about this too. To honor God with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And so this first time that they had, had uh, captured Jericho, that was like a tithe that they made, a tithe from, from all of the blessing that God had, from a tithe to God of what he was giving them in the promised land. And so now with Ai, they could take all the plunder, all the garments, all the livestock, all the silver, and all the gold. And everything that they saw, they could take. You know, it makes you wonder why Achan, if he had only trusted God and waited, he could have had everything he wanted and more. And if he, and he would have been one of the Israelites here in this chapter 8 experiencing the blessings of God. So then Joshua is given the battle plan, and it's this clever plan that involves the ambush, and we we just read through everything that they did. And and Joshua told the people how it would work, and he said, you know what, the Lord your God is giving you this city. And think about it, they they needed to hear that after the routing they had had and after that experience with Achan and his family. They, They needed to hear that God was telling them that he would give them that city. And so it would be crucial for them as part of the confidence they would have in following God to go do this. And Joshua also tells them, not only is the Lord giving you the city, but here, do what the Lord has commanded you. And this is key to the plan because they need to follow what God's given them to do. They can't just run over there. God's given the city, okay, run over and I'll do what they want. No, they need to run, run, to Achan, uh, run following Joshua to Ai, but they need to do the way that God has said to do it. And they're learning to follow through all of this experience, aren't they? They're learning to actually follow the principles of God, the the principle, the spiritual law of reaping what we sow. They needed to learn that disobedience leads to destruction, but obedience leads to blessing. 
And that's what God is showing him. And that's what we need to know too. We need to follow God's commands if we want to be successful in our lives. We need to do what he's showing us to do. Not just come up with a bunch of ideas and hope he's coming along with us, but for us to actually say, God, what do you want me to do here? Pray about it. Ask him for his direction and guidance. Ask him to do the things in our life that he has for us. So Joshua sends 30,000 of his best fighting men. And he says that they're to go set up a place of ambush and not too far from the city. So they're right on top of the city. And where he sends them, it tells us that they're the west of Ai. So we've got 30,000 men waiting here right outside the city to ambush. So there they are. And this is day one. Joshua, it tells us he spent that night with the rest of the people. So over to the east of here, Joshua and the rest of the army are spending the night. Then it says the next morning, and not just the next morning, but early the next morning on day two, no hesitation. Joshua, he knows what God's called him to do. He gets up early to start accomplishing what God has for him. And that's kind of a cool principle right there too for us, isn't it? That when God calls us to do something, we don't want to hem and haw. Is this what God wants? Do I want to do it? You know, if you know God's called you to do something, get up early and do it, right? Be quick about following God. Don't just, you know, see if you really want to do and wait around. No, follow what God is showing. So the whole army then, uh, minus the 30,000, are just waiting. And then the next day, on day two, it tells us that early in the morning, they leave and they go up here. So here's the rest of Israel, that whole army up here, waiting. And as they're waiting there, then it says they spend the night. But Joshua, in the meantime, it tells us, sends 5,000 more men over to the west. So we have 5,000 more over here. Okay. So that night, it says he even goes into the valley. And this is like he's tempting the guy, the king of Ai, like, uh, hey, dude, in case you didn't see it, we're here. (laughs) So they spend that night there. And that could have been a little dangerous, couldn't it? Especially if you'd been part of that first group that went to Ai, and you're with them then again, and you're sitting out there in the valley that night waiting For the next day to come, you're probably thinking, oh, I hope this works. (laughs) Because, you know, the last time we did this, we got routed. Several of us got killed. And so they're really having to trust God, aren't they? They're in kind of a precarious situation right there waiting to see what happens the next day. And that's the end of day two. But they're trusting God, even if they're right under the enemy's nose. And it seems a little precarious They're waiting to see what God does the next day. So the next day, day three, the king of Ai, he just couldn't wait. It says early in the morning, he looks out and he goes, oh, here they are again. Okay, well, let's just go make quick work of them. So he thinks, you know what? A week earlier, we beat these guys and uh, should be easy again. So let's go after them. So it says that they all hurry out of the city. So here we have them leaving the city, going towards Israel. Well, then what happens? Well, okay, it begins. The whole battle plan starts to unfold. So Joshua and his army come down towards them, and then they, like, turn and and fake like they're running away, right? Okay, they're faking like they're running away, and it says that all the people that were in 
Ai and Bethel left. So we have these guys. Bethel's coming over here. He, they're joining in with it too because they think, man, let's get rid of these guys. We heard what happened in Jericho. Let's not take any chances. They're, they're uh, pretty vulnerable right now. Let's go take care of them. So all of the people leave. Not a man remained in air, and Bethel did not go after Israel, it says. And it left the city wide open. So then what happens? Well, it tells us that Joshua and the Israelite forces, yep, they let themselves be driven back. But then Israel, as they're sitting there with all these armies behind them, chasing after them, might have seemed a little scary because they still haven't turned around. They know the victory's coming. And then Joshua holds out his spear. And that's a signal to these guys laying in ambush. There's about a mile between Bethel and Ai here, guys. Um, all of a sudden, these guys rise up and they come after into the city of Ai and they burn it. And the people who are chasing Israel turn around and see the smoke. Joshua holding out his spear not only signaled the army, but that was actually a sign that he's proclaiming God's word over Ai. It says he's uh, holding it in the direction of Ai. He's saying the purposes of God are prevailing over this city, not our plans, not Israel's plans, but God's plans over Ai. The spear was really long. It would have been really heavy. And it would have signified God's hand, his divine power over that battle. And it tells us that Joshua held that out the duration of the whole battle. My arm would have gotten pretty tired, wouldn't it yours? But he knew as long as he held that out that Israel was going to win the battle. And it was similar to something he had seen earlier in his life when Moses was leading the children of Israel. In Exodus 17, 9 through 13, it says, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Malachites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. See, this was a staff of God Moses was holding, just like the spear that Joshua held was the spear of God over that battle. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. So here God has Joshua doing a similar thing, and Joshua followed the instructions, didn't he? And the men who were ready for the ambush saw that spear and rose from their positions, rushed into the city, set it on fire, and the men of Ai and Bethel turn around and they see all this smoke rising from the city. And they look and there's nowhere to go because Israel has now turned and come back towards them. So here they are caught in the middle of all of this. And they're easy for the Israelites to destroy. They were cut down and destroyed, 12,000 people. And Joshua held out that spear until Ai was completely destroyed. So there's some principles in this. When you first read some of the stuff in the Old Testament, it sounds a little bit like, that seems really severe. Doesn't it seem that way to you? I mean, you think, oh, man, they had to wipe everybody out. What, what was with that? Well, there's some principles in this for us today. As we 
want to uh, have principles of victory for us and for our lives. And the first is that we need to repent of any sin. And the key for our victory when we feel like we're in a battle personally, when we personally feel like we're being attacked, is to repent of any sin because sin opens the door to the enemy. And, and when we look at why did God want this nation destroyed at AI, we can understand it more when we look at Leviticus. Because in Leviticus, that's part of God's law. It a, has a list in this chapter 18 of all these perverse and evil things that the nations around them might do that God is saying to them in Israel, don't do that. Don't do that stuff. Don't live like that. And then he says, Leviticus 18, starting in verse 24, do not defile yourself in any of these ways because this is how the nations I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. So the sin was so bad, they were so evil, it had defiled the people to the point that it even defiled the land that they were living in, which means the land was under this evil, defiling thing, and it couldn't even produce what it was supposed to produce. It was so evil that God said, I need to purge that out. And it says later in this same chapter that he says, I vomited them out. And so we see here that God's purpose in having Israel remove all this was to get rid of that defilement in the land, get rid of that evil defiling influence against Israel. And that was why Achan's sin had to be swiftly dealt with. Because if you're going to drive out evil, there cannot be any compromise in the camp for them to be able to remove the evil in the land. And if we want to see ourselves, God move in our nation today, to see God bring the nation back to him, there can't be any evil in the body of Christ. There can't be any evil in our personal lives. We need to keep God's commands. We need to, as followers of Jesus Christ, make sure that there is not an open door for Satan to mess with us. And defile here means to be profane, to violate the land. And God's response was to get rid of them, to vomit them out. It made God sick to his stomach, all the evil and the sin that was in that people. And these are the people of Ai that God is telling Israel to remove from the land. Because as long as there was evil in the land, as long as there was evil around them, the land could not produce the blessings that God wanted for them. As long as there's sin in our life, no matter how insignificant we might think it is, if we have an area we know is contrary to what God is calling us to do, it allows the enemy to mess with us. And God cannot bless us as he wants to. So we need to repent of any sin in our life and turn from it. Repent doesn't just mean, yeah, God, you caught me. Repent means, I realize this is not right with God. I need to turn from this and go a different way. I need to follow God and do the things that God is calling me to do. 
and no longer be doing that thing. So for personal victory, first we need to repent of sin, and second, we need to follow God's word. When we read God's word, we need to allow it to be that thing that we, like looking in the mirror and seeing how, it look, how we look compared to how we should look. This is like the, the plumb line, the mirror for us to look at and see, am I right with God? As we read God's word, we need to allow it to convict us and to challenge us to follow him, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and his working in us. To ignore his word doesn't change anything. Or to just like focus on the favorite parts. Like if all you are ever reading is Psalms and Proverbs, let me encourage you to start reading the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. Don't just focus on your favorite parts because God wanted all of his word to be coming into our hearts, coming into our souls, and changing us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. There are spiritual laws that God put into place before he created the world. And those spiritual laws govern how things happen. And so if I just choose to ignore them, it doesn't make them not work. So what I reap, I will sow, regardless of whether or not I'm reading his word. God wants to bless us. And if we want God's blessing, if we want things to go well with us, we need to repent and turn from sin and go the way God commands us. And we need to follow what he shows us in his word. And Israel and Joshua did what God told them to do, and that's why they won the victory. And if we are following God's word, we will win the victory in the battles we face. Well, let's read the end of the chapter here. Joshua 8, starting at verse 30. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. And on it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites with their elders, officials, and judges were standing on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Abel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formerly commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. So where they were, Mount Ebel and Mount Gerizim, are north of here a little ways. And they had stood there before with Moses as Moses read through the law, and he read the blessings and the curses. And this is what this is referring to. And the third point of having victory in our lives is to honor God after the victory. And that's what the nation did. They built an altar to the Lord as God instructed, and they offered sacrifices and praises to him because they realized it wasn't because of their amazing skill, but it was because of God who gave them the victory. 
And when God gives us the victory, we can't be thinking that it was all us, right? I mean, yes, we have a part, but when God gives us a victory, we need to give honor and praise to him. We need to give a testimony to others and, and sing the praises of the Lord through, through Sunday morning, yes, but through telling others what God has done in our lives. And we acknowledge that it's God's grace and God's provision that won that victory. And then it tells us that Joshua wrote out the law. It says he put plaster on the stones and wrote out the law. Now, that would have taken a while. So he's writing and writing and writing all of the commands. And afterward, after some time has passed, then Joshua reads the words of the law to them. And the people knew the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. And it spelled out that spiritual principle as Moses had done in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. And it says he, not a word he didn't read. He read it all. So they were like standing there for quite a long time. Imagine I'm, if I was reading the first like five books of the Old Testament to you, you'd be here like all day, right? So all day long, they're listening to all of this and hearing it. And after he reads things, they're saying, amen, amen. Lord, let it be so in my life, amen. And uh, receiving all of the word of God, because how in the world could they know how they were supposed to live as righteous holy people if he didn't do that and by reading the word of God they are honoring the word of God and giving God honor after the victory the same with us when we read God's word the whole counsel of God and we say amen Lord make it so in my life then we open the door to the blessings of God for us when Moses gave his final words to the nation of Israel As Joshua was stepping in to succeed him, he gave them a charge. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20, it says, This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, every day, God sets before us life and death, blessings and curses. We want to choose life. We want to choose life because God wants us to live in victory. He wants to give us the victory. He wants us to receive his blessings for us. So for our victory, we need to repent of any sin. Leave no open door to the enemy to mess with you. We need to follow God's word, to know him and to know his love for us and to know what he's calling us to. And third, we need to honor God after the victory and praise his name. Would you stand with me today as we close? So how many of you would say you have an area where you need to see a victory? You're dealing with something. You need to see a victory in an area of your life. Thank you. Would you just bow your heads and just take a moment. Just listen to God. How many of you need to renew your hunger for God, for listening to him? reading his word, and, and really having his word in your life 
being that plumb line, being that guide, how many of you would say, yep, I want to renew my hunger for Jesus? That's you. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Still keeping your heads bowed. Maybe you've been living a life following God's word. And maybe you've been repenting of sin, but you still are in a battle. You know, you're, there's nothing you'd say, yeah, I, I don't have that open door. I, I'm right with God, but I'm in the middle of something really difficult right now. And, and you need a revelation from God that the victory is coming in your life. If you're waiting for God's victory, would you raise your hand right now? If you're waiting for an area that God would do victory in for you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Pastor Steve, would you come up here? I'd like to take time today and pray for you. If, if you raised your hand and you said, yep, I'm in the middle of something and I really need to see God work, we just want to anoint you with oil and pray over you. We talked when we started about how sometimes it seems like something's negative and disappointing, but we got to hang in there and trust God because he will bring the victory. He will bring the victory. Lord God, we thank you that there's so many examples in your word of people who were in what looked like desperate situations, disappointing. And Lord, your word says that you came to them and you said, don't be discouraged, don't be fearful. And so, Lord, we claim that over us today, that we would not be discouraged and fearful, but, Lord, we would hang in there and trust you, that you will bring us to the point of victory. And, Lord God, I pray that you would protect us from the needless attack of the enemy. Help us stay right with you. Help us to hear from you, Lord God, each day. Father, I pray you, your Holy Spirit would fill us all up from the top of our head to the soles of our feet to give us the strength and the ability and the guidance we need each day as we go through life. Father, I pray for blessing on each of us. That we, as we follow you, as we do what we've call, been called to do, Lord, that we would receive your blessings. That you would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died and rose for us to be able to have that relationship with you. We receive what you have for us today, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. And he will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. I am so thankful that I serve a God who will give me time. He tried to give Achan extra time. He drug it out as long as he could. God tries to give us time to come around and to live out 1 John 1, 9. If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us. I mean, think about it. He cleanses us. He makes us better. He just doesn't leave us dirty and messed up. He'll cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So today, would you stand as we close? Just, just join me in prayer, okay? Look, I just everybody, today's not a day I'm going to have you raise your hands or do anything like that, okay? But I want you to take a moment just to yourself, privately. It's a moment between you and God. And I want you to ask yourself, God, and I want you to ask God, Lord, have I withheld anything that belongs to you, that you've claimed? Have I withheld anything that belongs to you? And just hear his voice. Just take a moment and do that now.